0: choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live and we're hoping that everyone is enjoying a safe and happy Martin Luther King Day. I am so excited to be here with you this morning because we have an amazing guest who's going to be joining us. I do want to say that we are pre-recording this interview on the Friday before because Because it is, Martin Luther King Day, and so the staff is taking the day off, um, but we wanted to bring you a very special guest today. So uh, author and advocate Thomas McKeon is going to be joining us in just a few minutes. This is very first time being on the show, which I don't even understand how that could be a thing, Um, but I know that you're all, I'm going to enjoy having an opportunity to talk with him, and I think that you guys are too. I just wanted to take one second uh, in commemoration of this day. I find myself a little emotional. About it, but um, I I realized last night when I was thinking about this that I was a kindergartner. I was in kindergarten um, when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, and I it affected me deeply. Um, because he was already a person in my life as a kindergartner that I looked up to and saw as this public person. And seeing him speak on television was one of the earliest memories that I have. And, And hearing him, it's so interesting. I think we discount sometimes how speaking um, and and putting things into existence in a child's mind, how much it can affect their path. but I can remember being four years old and listening to him speak and thinking that of course that was the path that we were going on and that um, and that all people were equal and that I, you know, would be standing in my life, shoulder to shoulder with people of all different, hues, of, all, of different all different races, races of, of all different religions, and that, that we would stand shoulder to shoulder. And that was, was in my awareness. And then, and then of and course, then of course um, you know, to, to hear that he had been assassinated. And I don't think that assassination is a typical word that a kindergartner understands, but those of us who were born in the year that I was born in, we all understood it because that was also the year that Bobby Kennedy was assassinated too. And you couldn't not, you couldn't get away from it. Um, So it was very much a a part of our kindergarten year that we experienced that. So I uh, this is a a commemorative holiday that I appreciate greatly because it's a, for a figure who larged, uh, loomed large in in my life and in my upbringing and and how i view the world so um thrilled to be able to be here today and commemorate it with all of you now, I mentioned that this show is pre recorded, but that doesn't mean that you can't interact with us. You still, uh, whenever we do the pre recorded live shows now, I try to drop in and monitor if you guys have questions. And obviously, if you have questions for our guest, you can absolutely be writing those in and we will make sure that he gets all of those. And I hope that he's going to be willing to come back another time when we are live, live, live with you guys. Um, so keep in mind that there are lots of different ways that you can interact. You can interact right now on Facebook, on YouTube. YouTube, I'll be able to monitor those in real time, uh, on the actual day. And you can also send us comments to, uh, you can do it on our homepage, autism-live.com. There's a place where you can put in a comment at the bottom that costs you nothing. It's completely anonymous, or you can email me directly at Shannon at autism-live.com. We always love to hear from you. Uh, you know, our whole mission here at Autism Live is that we want to provide information and inspiration to that larger autism community. Starts with people who are on the autism spectrum, of course, but we also include in that, in that community everyone who loves those individuals. We believe that if not now, eventually that will be and should be the entire world. Uh, and we just want to be allies towards that happening. So uh, I've mentioned that we've got this amazing guest. Let me tell you my disclaimer that we have lots of experts that are here on the show, uh, including the one that we have today. But please don't count me in that category. I am a former teacher. So that means always a teacher. Once a teacher, always a teacher. I am uh, a former stand-up comedian. I'm once a former comedian, always a comedian, Uh, but more importantly, we asked this the other day about what five words do you use to describe yourself, and the number one word I use to describe myself is mom. I am a mom of an amazing young man who was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half and is now a very successful college student with absolutely no supports. I could not be prouder of him and more excited about the things that we've learned on this journey and are still learning. And that's why I sit here is because I want to help you to get to the things that will get you where you're trying to go to, whoever you are and wherever you're trying to go to, because it's not one size fits all, right? So I hope you'll join us here, but just don't mistake me for an expert. Mistake me for somebody who is really passionate about this community and about making sure that individuals on the spectrum are treated with respect and given the rights and opportunities that they so richly deserve and not be discriminated against, right? So in any case, uh, that's the disclaimer out of the way. Uh, we do like to start, even on Mondays, even when it's a holiday, we like to start off the show with our little warm-up, uh, what we call our jargon of the day. When we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym, we try to First, give you the actual definition. Often, we will make fun of the actual definition because it's useless, because it's written by people who, you know, are have so many letters after their name and are not concerned about you and I understanding what they're talking about. So, it's not that the definition is silly; it's that it cannot be understood because it has so much more jargon in it. So then we, so we'll make fun of that, and then when we can. And then we give you a working definition to try to give us a place where we can begin to understand. Now it's 2022. We've been doing the show for over 10 years. We regularly cycle back through jargon terms, but every once in a while where there's a real big push for us to do new jargon terms and, uh, we uncovered a bunch of terms that we use on the show from time to time that we just had never taken the time to do Jargon of the Day with. So today is one of those terms. Uh, easily confusing, uh, but let's see if we can shed a little light on it. Uh, so today's jargon term is hypersensitivity. And I, and I pronounced that the way I did because later in the week, we'll talk about hypo sensitivity, and they are vastly different, uh, antithetical maybe even. So hypersensitivity. So let's take a look at what, uh, first of all, you know, I think we all have, we go, we've heard this, we've heard of hypersensitivity. Um, and we probably come to this with uh, a preconception of what it might be. Let's check and see if our preconception is correct. So let's take a look at our actual definition first. Hypersensitivity is excessive often painful reaction to everyday auditory visual or tactile stimuli, such as bright lights or loud noises. And I I really, I'm not going to make fun of this definition because I like several things about it. Um, I understand that it is a gray, squishy term to say excessive because what's excessive to me may not be excessive to you, right? Um, but but it puts, it says that this can't be something that's slight, right? And in fact, it clarifies that it, this has the potential to be a painful reaction to an everyday stimuli, um stimulus. So um I really don't think that anybody could read that and poo-poo it, right? And, and and that's what I liked most about this definition because when you are hypersensitive to something, it is not something that people should just be telling you to get over. I think that's what I what I really liked about this. So let's with that understanding that this is, you know, the professional definition of what it is, let's take a look at our working definition of it and see if we can begin to um, really delve in and, and have a, an appreciation for this. Um, being becoming overwhelmed by sensory input that is perceived by others as tolerable. Now, you know this this is where we get into what is tolerable to you and what is tolerable to another person, but. You know, I think that we can all understand that um, in most buildings nowadays, uh, there is some level of fluorescent uh, lighting uh, or uh, LED lighting, right? And what we've come to understand is that some people are very hypersensitive to the vibration of that type of light, that it is so disabling to them that it makes them Dizzy, or it makes them not be able to focus, or uh, you know, put a thought together and and be ver- vocal or verbal. Um, now there is the potential if we if we just said, well, we're just going to leave that alone and we're just going to continue putting up fluorescent lights and those people can just get over it. I mean, first of all, that would be very inhumane, right? Um, but there would be very much the potential for, for someone to not be successful in a classroom if that was the constraint that, well, we're just going to do that because 10 of the people in the classroom aren't bothered by it and only one is, so we're just going to leave it alone. And that person just has to Suck it up, right? Um, but I think we are moving towards, and I certainly want to live in a world that is more empathetic, that that looks as looks at individuals and says we don't all process um, sensory things in the same way and with the same dial. You know, I, I love uh, what is the documentary? It's I'm losing my mind right now. Uh, Spinal Tap the documentary where they talk about turning up the volume and uh, what do you set the the amp volume at? And he says, you know, I put it at 11. It goes from one to 10, but he says he wants to put it at 11. It's a phrase that we use a lot in our house because I certainly am hypersensitive to some stimuli because I think everybody's hypersensitive to something um, to the point where it's uncomfortable. The thing about it is, is though we see some people who have Categories of things that they'll be hypersensitive to, and that it isn't just a little painful; it's a lot painful. I think about I think about um, someone like Dr. Stephen Shore, who's a brilliant mind um, and a brilliant educator, and has been teaching at Adelphi University for decades and he is someone who wears a baseball hat when he teaches as a professor and however many years ago that he began teaching he had to say to them it was not appropriate then for a professor to wear a baseball hat right there are still some people now who probably go well that's disrespectful but wearing that baseball hat is what allows dr shore to go into his classroom and teach without having to modify the environment it is his personal modifier that he puts out, and because it has a bill, it closes out just enough stimuli that he can go about doing what he does, which I think many people would argue is genius. So if we don't make accommodations for people and their sensitivities to stimuli, what are we saying no to? Who are we saying no to? And how much progress are we saying no to? Um, imagine, I'm sure that all of you have some accommodation that you do for yourself before you have to do something that's difficult. Um, you know, I know people who are not on the spectrum, spectrum who can't who go can't to a loud and- concert. Um, or put earplugs in their ears when they go to a really loud concert at a va- venue because it's just too loud for them. I know I've left venues because it was too loud for me. Um, But I know people who will put in those orange uh earplugs and, and go, is that any different than someone who wears the noise canceling headphones on a subway because it's loud? I think we're moving towards a kinder, gentler phase of our humanity where we are going to stop judging people because... They are open and honest and accommodating of themselves when it comes to these kinds of issues. So why do we bring this up? I think it's important for us to normalize that it is a part of life that people will have hypersensitivity to things and that we begin looking when we see a behavior, let's say that we see a behavior in a three-year-old who doesn't yet have the language to say that noise, I can't handle it, right? Um, that we begin to to have the awareness of if if someone is having a reaction, is it possible that there are other things going on? And I think that we find with autism, often there are other things and we not. can and take we- can take a compassionate, empathetic uh, point of view that we not persist in, in expecting people to get over it, uh, or or that we don't label it and go, well, that's them being disrespectful. No. No, Uh, we have to be compassionate and uh, and allow for accommodations to accommodate these kinds of things. Now, are there therapies that work on hypersensitivity? Yes. Um, One of the things that we talk about a lot on the show is systematic desensitization, but the key to systematic desensitization is going so slowly that it doesn't overwhelm the person or upset them and if in fact it gets to the point where it is disturbing that we go back to the last place that worked if we if we do the opposite of that it's something called flooding and that's literally when you throw somebody in the deep end of the pool to see if they'll swim it is unkind it is not something you should ever do with a child who is on the autism spectrum and you should only do it with an adult who is consented and understands what's happening. And there are professionals there in the space to deal with the emotions that come up with it. I say that all the time on the show, but I'm going to keep saying it until I turn blue and keel over. Um, because I think that there are some people who don't understand how unkind and how traumatizing it could be to a child to, and, and it happens all the time, sometimes unintentionally. Um, where a child will be flooded with something that is really sensitive for them. And then the journey back from that, because now there's the potential for PTSD, uh, you know, the journey back to being in a place where they can be calm and go through that is so much harder. Flooding is not a thing to do with any child, let alone a child who has a documented disability. So there we go. I've, I've said my piece on that. Moving on. We always have a question of the day for you. And our question this morning, we, we love it if you guys write in and tell us on Facebook or on YouTube or wherever you're watching us. Don't forget that we are a free download of a podcast wherever you get your podcast. But our question today is what overwhelms you? I always like to talk about you know ourselves first. Whether you're a, a person on the spectrum, or whether you're a parent of someone on the spectrum, or a teacher of someone on the spectrum, um, if we're or just someone who loves someone on the spectrum, if we think about it from our our own point of view, I do think that we come we come to a place that's uh, more empathetic um, quicker. And let's face it, there's something that overwhelms you. There's lots of, I'm somebody who gets overwhelmed easily, uh, very easily. Uh, so if we come from that point of view, then we can understand when someone else is overwhelmed in the moment. And, you know, it's important that we don't automatically assume that what overwhelms us overwhelms the people that we love, the case, right? The case, right? And, and what works for us overwhelmed. overwhelmed. But when I'm overwhelmed, is it good for people to be in my face lecturing me about why I'm overwhelmed? I would say not ever. <laughs> All right. Um, when someone is overwhelmed is not the moment to be teaching new skills. Um, I certainly don't respond to that. And I don't know in all my years of teaching, I've never met somebody who, when they're overwhelmed is like, oh yes, teach me about why I'm overwhelmed. I've never seen that circumstance happen. Um, but they want solutions. They want help. They want support. They just don't want to be taught about what is happening in the moment. Does that make sense? Uh, but please write in and tell us what overwhelms you. If I were to go through what overwhelms me, we would be here until next Martin Luther King Day. So we're not going to do that, but let's suffice it to say I'm overwhelmed by a lot. Uh, And then let's move on to our topic for the week. Every week we have a topic I particularly loved last week's. I don't know if I could possibly love this week's more than last week, but let's see. Our topic for this week is sensory dysregulation, which is a very important topic. Uh, This is hand in hand with what we've been talking about, that there are times when we cannot get in sync with what we want to do because there are sensory things that are preventing us from being able to get to the things that we want to do. And, We've all experienced this at some point, right? What uh, Dr. Grampuche was just telling the story the other day about how she, the first time she went to Japan and she had jet lag and she got off the plane and she was discombobulated and it was the wrong time of day. And uh, you know, and there were all these billboards and that she had to go into her hotel room and close the curtains and sit in a ball and be quiet to allow herself to unravel from all the sensory things that were going on for her. Um, You know, and, and, and I think we've all been there in in some way and somehow, and it's, and I think a lot of times people go, Oh, well, it's negative. It isn't always negative. My mother was a brilliant quilter and all she ever wanted to do was to go to this place where there was the be all end all quilt store and she had, and she had to travel a day's journey away to get to this quilt store. She walked in and had total sensory overload and, and stood there froze for a minute, turned around and walked out and stood outside and shook because she couldn't handle all of the input because it was pleasant so let's not automatically, you know, deem it something that's negative. We can we can get sensory overload and sensory dysregulation no matter who we are, no matter how we identify ourselves in the world, no matter where we are, pleasant or unpleasant. So these things happen and they happen to all of us. But let's let's say that for individuals on the spectrum, it's likely for it to be potentially more often, potentially to more different types of things, potentially more painful, uh, and potentially something that prevents them from being able to do the things that they want to do. So we definitely want to be talking about this and how we can give a toolbox, again, not when it's happening, but teach people a toolbox for ha- for, for recognizing like my mother recognized, I can't handle this. I gotta go out. Uh, I can't I can't be in here. I mean, people have passed out uh, because they didn't recognize this is too much for me. I need to step outside. Um, So we want to give everybody a toolkit for recognizing what your states are recognizing what stimuli is difficult for you coming up with a game plan for how do you, you know, do you get a baseball hat? Do you do systematic desensitization? Like what's the game plan? And when the game plan isn't working, what's your fallback, right? So that we can all regulate ourselves. And the truth of the matter is, is that we can teach skills, even to a three-year-old who's nonverbal of how to regulate themselves. Um, So powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. Having said that, we're going to talk about that all this week, but I I don't want to wait any longer because we have an amazing gentleman who's joining us. And if you are relatively new to the autism world, I I still think that he will be somebody that you have heard of and and heard of, but I can't wait for you to meet him. It's my first time meeting him. Thomas McKeon is joining us right now. And he, back in a day when there were, really only a handful, less than a handful of self-advocates who were speaking and touring the world and speaking out and saying, identifying themselves as being a person on the spectrum. I'll let him tell you the words that he uses. Uh, but obviously we've had Temple Grandin on before, um, but there were only a handful of people for, I would say, 15 years and the pivotal change of autism that made the difference that parents like myself said, Oh my goodness, there is so much hope and there are things that we can be doing to help our kiddos. And Thomas McKeon is one of those pivotal people. Uh, he is one of the pioneers in the self-advocacy, uh, platform. Um, I I want him to tell us a lot about himself, but I do want you to know that, um, he currently serves on the board of directors for the Autism Society of Ohio, and he is the author of two books. Uh, one soon will come the light and the other light on the horizon. Uh, he is uh, in a class of people who, uh, he, was a guest on Oprah and went on Oprah with his book and says that everything that people say about having your book on Oprah is true. I can't wait to hear about that because you know I'm the biggest Oprah fan that there ever was. Uh, So Thomas McKeon, I'm honored that you're here and joining us right now. Welcome to Autism Live.
1: Uh, Hello, Uh, good, good to be here.
0: Uh, I'm so thrilled to have you here. And I people know I don't ever get speechless, but I, I find myself a little verklempt and a little speechless because this really is an honor for me. Uh, so thank you for, for being here.
1: Uh, usually it's Temple that makes people speechless. That, that doesn't happen to me, not often anymore anyway.
0: Well, uh, consider me slightly uh, gobsmacked, as they say across the pound. Uh, But I want to start, Thomas, by asking you to tell our viewers, in case there's somebody out there that's like, I don't, I don't, I've never been introduced to Mr. McKeon before. Tell us just the the Reader's Digest version of your history and your life. And um, I mentioned a couple of things, but I'm sure there are things you'd like to add to that.
1: Uh, well, there are. I, I, I never know what to add one place to the next because everyone's looking for something different. I can, I can be general. Uh, I'm 50-something years old, and uh, I was diagnosed in, what, 79, I think I was 14 years old. It was not all that uncommon then. And uh, back then, uh, as you read, uh, what they were doing was uh, putting kids with autism in the institutions. And I was, uh, I was in one of those for three years, and I kind of had to fight my way out. And uh, there, were, there was, there was a, law a law in the books in the state of Ohio at the time uh, that said, if you are a minor, that is into a psychiatric facility, there is no, no obligation, obligation to tell you, to tell why, you why you are you there. Are there so, so no one ever told me. And uh, years, uh, years later, later, I went looking for that, and I found it. And um, my involvement in advocacy, I think, was originally to, to find answers for myself. But uh, in the course of doing that, it kind of came to be a, a, a cause that that I really started, started caring, caring about. about.
0: And uh, so uh, I'm still, still doing that to the
1: extent that I can. I'm not I'm not as active as I once was cuz I'm older now
0: but uh you know I I still try to dip mm-hmm. my toe in every now and again I can't even imagine being a 14 year old and going into a facility like that um and not even having an opportunity for somebody to tell you what was going on do you, I I you know I I can't even imagine but I just want to applaud you for being someone who did get through that, survived, and then went on to help all of our children so that that is not their story.
1: Well, I I could take it a step further. Apparently, my mother told me this just before she died. Apparently, they didn't tell them either. Uh, They were We're afraid afraid of the A A word back then. So what they told my parents was I was developmentally delayed. And they left it at that. And no one in my family knew anything until I found it. it. I went back to the hospital and asked for the records.
0: Wow. And how old were you then when you first heard the word autism in conjunction with yourself?
1: Um, uh, uh, 20, uh,
0: 21, I think. Wow. Uh, wow. Well, you know, you, you did get yourself out of the facility and then went on to go to college. Um, and went on to write two books. You've gone on to speak internationally around the world and to shed light on this subject. You, You have served the community and been on boards to make sure that the conversation included individuals who are on the autism spectrum. And, you know, as much as you say that you're not doing as much right now, I had said to you last year, you're like my favorite thing to read on Facebook. I don't know if you realize this, and a lot of people follow you on Facebook, but you, you write. I think you're very prolific, and you write on a regular basis. I know you have articles that are, that are coming out soon that we can talk about, but um, you will introduce a topic from time to time on Facebook, and the conversation sometimes gets heated, um, but I find it the most interesting thing on Facebook. You are the really? most interesting thing on Facebook. The,
1: the, the conversation does sometimes get heated. Things that should not be controversial sometimes uh, turn out to be. And, and maybe um, maybe when I'm, I'm posting something that I don't think is, it's because it wasn't back then. And it has since become that. Because in the past 30 years I've been doing this, autism has changed in ways that I don't think anybody anybody saw coming.
0: No, but I, I wanted to take the time. There's so many things we could talk about with you, but today I wanted to talk with you about identity. And I guess I want to start by asking you how, how do you, I, what words do you use to identify yourself and how do you like to be identified and how much does autism play a role in that?
1: I don't really, um, identify as a person with autism which is not to say that I deny it because it's definitely a part of who I am and a part part of of my history history. but But I don't don't really identify identify that that way way. we We talked about this I knew you were going to ask so I thought what I I would do is I would show you the little wall here you can't see it it's behind you over here on the far end there's a nice little uh, amateur radio setup. And, uh, and uh, for you radio operators, radio operators out there, call sign K4X the Oscar. I, I am required by federal law to identify that way when I keep the mic, but that's key. not my identity. Over, over here, here, closer, closer there's, there's a, a, uh, a set a of set shelves, shelves that uh, have DVDs and, DVDs and, and Blu-rays and, and 4Ks of and over 2,000 movies, movies, most of them horrible. Them horrible.
0: I have, I have a thing, thing for, for the old movies. I think, think I've got, got every one, one of those cheesy black and white rubber monster suit
1: 50s sci-fi disasters ever made. And uh, I, I do like the movies, but that's not my identity. This, this computer that I'm talking to you on right in, right in front of you. Do you hear my phone ringing? Um, no, I don't. I use it's. It's attached to a 55-inch monitor, my television, which is why you see the recliner behind me. And And I use it mainly to write, but that's not an identity over here. There's a shelf matching this one. It's full full of comics, comics superheroes. My 50s years, years, I've read literally thousands and thousands of comics. And some people would say that's a wasted life. I don't see see it that way way because those those stories were a big part of why I was able to do what I did later. But that's not my identity. And finally, over here, at the end, there's a really nice acoustic guitar uh, that has traveled the world with me. Some of you tuning in have probably heard me play it, seen me play it. And there's a set of harmonicas, all 12 keys, a little couple of those little things so you can play both at the same time and an award for an album i recorded back in 1996
0: that's not an identity
1: but if you take all of that and put it together that's a big part of who i am i don't the point i'm making here is long-winded as that is is i don't consider myself to be just one thing i i don't ever want to do that because to me personally that's kind of shallow and 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 hollow and one-dimensional i i am more than that i am more than the advocacy i'm more than the music i'm more than the comics and movies the radio the writing i am all of that and and more
0: and i think that's why you're the most interesting thing on facebook because of what you just said, because I think that that's the space that you come from. And I know that this is problematic that uh, and, and we just briefly tuss- touched on this in our emails back and forth. but there there is this thing where there, there haven't been enough yet advocates that are over the age of 25 that have come forward that um, that parents don't still get excited. At anything that I had said to you, the truth is Thomas, you could come on and tell me what you had for breakfast. And I would hang on every single word of it because your very existence and, and your intelligence and, and the spirit with which you bring to life gives me hope as an autism parent, because I have not seen 3 million adults on the autism spectrum and and so you know the fact that i've seen and i probably have seen more than most parents doing this show but but getting to see how you manage your life and it's so different than how temple manages her life but they're they're examples for me of hope and and yet that's a little bit of a burden i think for individuals on the spectrum it,
1: it is and i remember Early on, when I was doing the conferences, I can, I think I've written about, written about this,
0: this. On, on the, the airplane, airplane on my way home, looking out
1: the window, wondering if I was doing the right thing, giving hope to parents, if it would lead to something uh, bad or not good. And um, it took me a while to figure, to figure out that... that, that, that um,
0: what, what I was doing, doing was, was, was a good thing. thing. And yes, it, yes is, it, is it is a burden, burden. And, there and there is responsibility there. But it's
1: um,
0: it's, it's it's also a good thing, thing to be able to provide. provide. I love it. I, 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 I know, know that it. I know that not, not everyone, everyone is going, going to be your temple or Sean or Donna or Stephen
1: or whoever. But uh, you know, if I come out of the institution, then you know your, your kids have a chance.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, I, and I love that um, that you don't identify, uh, that, that autism is not one of the words that you, you know, label yourself. Um, but I, I, I'm going to ask this and then you tell me if it's inappropriate because I'm sure people are going to want to know were there areas as a kid that you struggled with that were, were hard for you and are they still hard for you or have you found a way to overcome the things that were hard then?
1: Uh, last, last night I listened to a, a talk you did with Temple about three months ago and uh, she was, she was talking about math and she was um one of you, I think. It was, was it? Was it you? Was it her? Someone. One of you was talking about how. Um, the, uh, one of you was mentioning. I think someone who was in college and they weren't able to finish the course, the the, the degree, because, because they, they weren't, weren't able to do math. math. I, think, I, think, I think. I think it was Temple. I think she was speaking specifically about algebra. And uh, that, that would have been me. I don't know if she knew she was talking about me. Uh, I am like just a few credits shy of an associate's degree. And I have been for years. I can write circles around anyone, but I cannot do math to save my life. So I don't have the, the college degree. As it turned out, um, I didn't need it. I found something to do. But uh, that's not going to apply to everyone.
0: And, you know, that was also many years
1: ago and that the the help wasn't available then that that there is now, too.
0: Yeah. So you struggled with math. But were there like why why were you put in an institution like like you don't I hope that they didn't put you in there just because you weren't good at math. What was the justification?
1: Um, uh, Well, no, it was I, I think it was a combination of things. One thing I think mainly it was a diagnosis. And um, that's kind of what they did back in those days, even as late as the seventies, you know, that's, that's what they did. One of my goals in in doing that work and the, and the travels was, <laughs> was to, to try to keep kids out of the institutions. And I've actually had a lot more success with that than I ever thought I would. But it, and I think another reason was, um, you know,
0: adolescence is a difficult time and
1: there's like all of this stuff going on and this applies to you, whether you have autism or not, there's like the hormones and all these changes going on and you have to kind of navigate your way through it.
0: And I was, I was feeling a little depressed. I think my parents were a little worried
1: about that.
0: Got it. But, but now, you know, we can never know what it's like to walk in somebody else's shoes, but I, I mean, You know, I think that you're a beautiful speaker. I think that you're a beautiful writer. Um, Obviously, you're an accomplished musician and you have, you know, things in your life that you're passionate about, like being on the ham radio. So to me, um, you know, you're a highly accomplished person leading your best life. We all struggle, though, all of us. We all have areas of struggle are there things that for you right now that you struggle to such an extent that you need support? Or do you live completely? Uh, If If I back back up,
1: you'll see the wheels. That's, that's that's a struggle. struggle. That's That's kind kind of of, uh, uh, new new. and without without going into into, into any additional, uh, too much detail, it's a additional neurological disorder that's kind of eating away at my muscles and, my mind. I can't think as well as I used to. And I've had to back out of, of doing that work that I love because of it, which kind of makes me mad. Uh, this this place is a, a basement. Um, my sister lives upstairs, it's her house. And uh, it, it, it kind of got to the point where I really it really wasn't safe for me to live on my own anymore. So I moved in here. And all those years I was doing this, something that I noticed was siblings are very good. They are very good about their brothers and their sisters with autism. And when the parents die, they take them in. I have seen that time and time and time and time and time again. And I've been amazed by the love and the sacrifice you know, she's given up a third of her house for me. I'm not paying any rent here. She just gave it to me. Wow. And that was just incredibly nice of her. Because it also means she has to put up with me now when she didn't have to do that before. <laughs> but, but you, you know, that's, that's, that's something that, something that I've, I've noticed in the autism, autism communities is brothers and sisters, sisters and really do care about, about family members with with, with autism. I I didn't think it would ever happen to me. I didn't think I would ever need it. But, you know, I'm I'm glad that she does, too. I wouldn't want to be out on the street.
0: Yeah. But for a lot of years, you did live independently, correct? I did.
1: I lived in, uh, for 17 years, I lived in a small town in Virginia, Bedford, which is located uh, right between Lynchburg and Roanoke.
0: And it was this beautiful mountain town,
1: and you could see the Peaks of Otter, part of the uh, Blue Ridge from my backyard. And I had this little 50-cc motor scooter that I used to ride up in the mountains on the ice day. I used to hang out up in the Blue Ridge. And that was really nice. It was it was nice living there.
0: And what kind of work were you doing at that point?
1: I was doing the same thing. I was traveling. I was talking to people. I was writing. I was, uh, the, uh, you know, a I, I, uh, casual... Yeah, occasionally doing some private consulting for families and schools. I don't know if Temple's ever done this. I have spent you yeah. know days, days weeks, weeks, months in parents' homes putting kids and families' lives back together again. I don't think there's any way I could do it now. I just don't, don't have it up here, here anymore. anymore. But uh that that to me was the most rewarding part of the job you know, was, was improving quality of life life for others, even if it was just one person at
0: a time. And so one of the questions I was going to ask you is that, um, you know, everybody wants to know what advice do you have? And it sounds like that for a period of time you were going in and and being in a role that was as an advisor to families, what kinds of things when you see a family that's in pain because their child is exhibiting behaviors, um, and are, are are have they're having a difficult time because autism wasn't something that they were, had any training on before their child is diagnosed. And there is, there it seems like there's always a period of time. I certainly experienced this when my son was diagnosed. Was that I had to run to catch up as a parent. I can't even imagine how happy and joyous I would have been to have had somebody like you come into my home. And give me a perspective, but I'm sort of wondering what kind of perspective were you giving the parents? What kinds of things did you help them with? I, you know, I, 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 I looked, looked over, over the, the medical,
1: medical records and the the, the schools, and um, you know, I looked at the home life, life and like, I, you know, know I went, went to, to I went to some IEP meetings. Oh, I hated, I hated that. that. The schools, the schools are, are the schools, the schools are, are just not nice. Every now Now and and again, you you got got some that that were agreeable, but that was really the exception. And, um, you know, I just said, you know, try this, try this, try this. i give you an example. Uh, I was in, um, I think it was was Auburn, Auburn, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. And And there there was this uh, little kid, I I I think he was around, don't, don't, Take, take this, this as gospel. gospel. It's, it's been a long time. I think he was about eight or nine years old at the time, and there were there were two particular issues that the parents were worried about. One, one of them was he was pushing his sister down the stairs, which I can understand why that would be an issue. That's like not something you want to do. And they, and they had, had they, they had this uh, the other thing. issue. They had this loft in the house. It was very nice. But when the when someone went underneath it, he would uh, how can I say? It, give them a shower.
0: And okay, that's that's <laughs> not good either. No.
1: And so they said, "Hey, you know, what can we do about these things?" And I spent I spent some time there, and you, and, know, you know, know, I, I, I kind of checked it out, and I, I I really didn't know what to, to do. do. I was really kind of. Um, kind of confused. I was lying in the, in the guest room, room one night, not ready to go to sleep. And this thought just came to me out of the blue. I have no idea where it where came it from. from. And the next morning, I told them, I said, uh,
0: hey, why don't you um,
1: want to get them tested for some allergies and see what happens. And they did. And they found an allergy to dairy and sugar. And then they cut those two things out and the behaviors just stopped.
0: Isn't that amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. And of course, you, you know, Dr. Doreen Grand Pichet. Uh you, you go way back. We've, we've and never
1: met. I, I know of her. I think we've chatted, chatted a few times. times.
0: Yeah. And she just the other day was on the show talking about eliminating milk um, from a child's diet. And that sometimes that, that is a thing that can show it's not for everyone, but for certain children, if they have a sensitivity um, that, that, you know, you can see behaviors attached to it. Right. Uh, there's, there's,
1: there's like, like dairy, dairy lactose intolerance, which can lead to behaviors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, well, I, uh, again, I know uh, we're, we're pre-recording this so people don't get a chance to ask questions live, but I know that people will want to know what advice do you have for someone of a, you know, whether they have a newly diagnosed three-year-old or a fourteen-year-old that's on the autism spectrum, what what's like the most important thing that you want parents to know?
1: Yeah, well, I, a lot of people have asked me that, and I do have I do have an answer to that. I'm beginning to wonder if it might be outdated, uh, but the answer that I have given for for years, for thirty years. Um, there, there's four things that I personally recommend you do when you get that diagnosis, diagnosis when, you're, when your, your when child, child is, is diagnosed. diagnosed. One, of um, one of them is, is uh, the first uh, the one is, go, is to go to the library. library. Uh, be, be careful, careful because uh, you're, uh, you're check, check the check, check copyright, copyright date because, because if, if you, you get some too, too old, old um, you, you may, may do more harm than good, good because, because our knowledge this is always changing. changing and things things that, that we thought were right, uh, kind of, we have since learned are or not. not. Um, so, kind of, be careful of that. And you know, speaking of that personally, um, one, of the, one, of the, one of the books that I, that I have out there is an autobiography. Those never go out of date. The other one is kind of a how-to book, which is now out of print, not officially, but it's on hiatus. I don't ever expect it to come back. That's kind yeah. of a how-to book. Some of yeah. that might be a little bit outdated, so I think I have one of each. Um, the second thing is um, uh, start yeah. attending a local sport group because you know whatever uh, issues you are having, uh, you know, there's a good possibility that someone else has already gone through that and might be able to to give you some advice on, on how to handle it and you don't need to reinvent the wheel. And the whole purpose of support groups, of course, is to be supportive. That's why everyone is there. And uh, the third thing along with that it's very similar it would be to attend conferences. that's whether I'm there or someone else is because uh, you, you know, that's, that's where you really, really get the latest, latest information. And the there's um, there's a networking benefit that a lot of people don't realize is there or not even aware of, even when they're doing it and, 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 and just, just interacting, interacting with other parents. parents. You know you know can sometimes, can sometimes be extremely beneficial, beneficial. And, and then the final, final thing um would, would be, to, be uh, to uh see if you could find an occupational therapist trained and certified in sensory processing sensory disorder, disorder to look over and, and treat treat your kid and you know i've always said if you do these four things you'll know what to do next like i said that information may be a little, little bit, outdated. bit outdated i don't, I don't know. know i think
0: Um, Um, I haven't really thought thought about it, it, that's that's what what I usually usually
1: tell parents to do.
0: There you go. I don't think it's outdated at all. I just, I think that now instead of going to the bookstore, people usually go online to look at and order books, which is what I'm going to encourage people to do right now. That I'm assuming the book that you're saying that is still in print is Soon Will Come the Light. Uh, Soon Will Come the Light. And you can get it on Amazon right now, you guys. It's. I have, I
1: have, I have tried, like the Dickens guys, to get uh, Future Horizons to ebook this. Uh, for some reason, they won't. You can only you can only get, get, it, get it in print, print form. form as long as, as they, have they have the marketing. marketing market, market, there's not much I can do about that.
0: You but know. Um,
1: you know, if, if you <laughs> want to hear a, a well sort of success story, then there it is. is. And there's a, of, there's a lot of there's a lot of. Um, um, there's a lot of um, a lot of deeper, deeper information in there too. I tried to put that in, not just what, what is happening, but also why.
0: And you were the winner of an Autism Society of America literary award.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: I didn't know I didn't know that before either. Um uh and I have to say I'm a big fan of Future Horizons. I have a book coming out from Future Horizons in July. Oh do you? So um so this I This was I, uh this was their
1: first. This book launched a publishing empire. This, right. was, this was Future Horizons first book.
0: Wow, well, amazing. And and it was uh you were able to tout it on Oprah. So I think probably we're all standing on your shoulders at this point. I We only have a few minutes left and I shamelessly have to say to you, I have to ask you questions about being on Oprah because I am like like the biggest fan of Oprah. What, what was that like for you to go on Oprah? Was that a sensory overwhelming thing or was it um, as cool as I it did? was? It, it was, was a little, little disappointing, disappointing and not, not because, because of Oprah. Oprah.
1: She had nothing to do with that. But because of 9 11. Between the time they scheduled um, the show and the time that it was supposed to, 9 11 happened. happened and, that, and that threw everything, everything off. And, and so what, happened, what ended up happening was a producer
0: and a camera, camera
1: man flew out to, to Virginia, Virginia and interviewed me there. And I never got to meet her. Uh, but, you know, I, the, the way I, I'm choosing to, to, uh, to look at that is if the worst thing that happened to me because of 9-11 is I, I didn't, didn't get to little Oprah, Oprah, I, I still, still came, came out ahead of, ahead of it better, better than a lot of people did.
0: Well, maybe Oprah will see this and see that they need to, you know, from time to time they do the, the show on the OWN Network now. Where are they now? I, I want to encourage Oprah to catch up with you now and see where you are now uh, and replay that interview because um, I, I got to be honest with you, I didn't get to see that. I watched Oprah religiously. Um, and I couldn't never understand why I never saw the interview and because it was right around nine 11, that is why I didn't see it. So Oprah, if you're watching and let's face it, she's not, but somebody who knows Oprah, please get her to watch it. right uh, and catch up with Thomas again, cause we'd all like to see that interview again. Uh, Thomas, I just, I can't even tell you, um, what this has meant to me, um, I I've been doing this show for 10 years and I don't really understand why we haven't had you on before, but I'm glad that it's worked out and that you came on and I'd love to invite you to come back. And there are so many more topics that we want to talk about with you. And there are some things that I think you just have one of the most refreshing outlooks on, on some of the more controversial topics that are, that are happening right now, talking about neurodiversity, talking about therapies, um, I, I find your point of view to be so enlightening.
1: Well, uh, 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 guys guys out there there listening, uh, I, I guess if you want, you could click follow on the page. Um, can, can they see that little uh, Thomas A. McKean down there at they the bottom? They
0: absolutely can, and we can tell them where to follow you. Tell, tell us all your social media, and we'll tell them to follow Just you. one,
1: because I, I tried doing more than one, and it just got too complicated. So I'm in one place, uh, one place only, and that would be Facebook. Uh, Thomas A. McKean, all one word, no period after the A, so it would be uh, Facebook dot com thomas a mckean or you could do a search for thomas a dot uh mckean and i should i should turn up uh, th- so if you want to if you want to click follow guys if you want to follow me you're welcome to shannon's right i do um i do post about these things and uh i i really um enjoy hearing the the, the various uh, the various views and the various perceptions and comments on it, you know, it's, not everyone feels the same about everything. And, you know, for me, that's really kind of okay because there's so much about this that we just don't know. And, and I can't prove or guarantee that I'm right and I could be wrong and, and someone that I don't agree with may be right, right. because we just don't know. You know, my my guess is just a little educated, but it's still just a guess on a lot of these things. So you yeah. know, we we talk about uh, we talk about the 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 topics there. There's a lot of other parents and and people with autism uh, on the page too who kind of who kind of chime in from time to time. So guys, if you if you want to follow me, you're welcome to do that.
0: And I love, it's very respectful discussion, but you're right. It's like everybody's opinion shows up and flourishes and nobody is put down for their opinion. Um, But I think that you always have this voice of reason that bubbles up and over all of it and makes me happy and thrilled. Um, I just, I I just always, I I always learn something. The other thing that you do is you give little mini history lessons. Because I was was there. there. Yeah. But there, but there are things that, uh, you know, when 9-11 happened, I was not the parent of a child on the autism spectrum. So even if I had seen your Oprah interview, I don't think it would have impacted me like it would now because I would have been like, well, isn't that interesting? But it wouldn't have been personal to me. And, you know, so there were things that happened among different autism organizations that I'm unaware of. And you will shed light on it. And I go, oh, well, that makes sense. That's how that happened. Right. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah.
1: I've talked about things like that. I've talked about things like the creation of the puzzle, puzzle piece, piece autism, autism awareness. Because I was a part of both, both those. of those. And, and uh, uh, I, I, think I think that, that as, as far as um, as as, as posting, posting those things and and, and yeah. having... you know know, that 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 point point of view view that that you're you're talking about one of the things that I think is required to be a good advocate is to be able to see this from all different points of view. Ruth Sullivan walked up to me once and she told me (laughs) she accused me of not having theory of mind. Now I'm thinking I may have said or done something in the ASA boardroom that kind of made her think that way because she was there. But uh, you, you have to, if you, if you want to be a good advocate, if you want to be effective, you have to be able to see the problem not just from the side of the person with autism, but also from the perspective of the parent, the <laughs> doctor, the therapist, the educator, and and um, even the legislator, and and. Not, and and even if you're looking at it from the from the from the perspective of the person of autism you have to
0: change that a little
1: bit because it's not your style or your type or your brand it's theirs that you have to look at it through and and one of the reasons I've had whatever success I have I think is just because I've been able able to to kind kind of look at this from all different different areas areas. and through that find solutions and um you know when i when i I, when when i write those things that you're talking about that's one of the things i try to do is i try to i try to to write it through the perspective of of more than one place i think i think people appreciate that
0: well, I have so much respect for Ruth Sullivan and for all the work that she did in her life, but I'm going to say it here. She was wrong. And all you okay, have to I do did. is read one thing that you write to see that you probably are one of the best perspective takers uh, that I've ever had the opportunity to read their their writing. So unfortunately, Ruth, I, you know, I know Ruth is in heaven now, but Ruth, you were wrong <laughs> about Thomas. <laughs>
1: I I also have a. I also have a great respect for the work that she has done, and I think I told her that at some point too. I was was able to. to I was was able to say that right to her, and I'm glad I was able to do that before she died.
0: Oh. Thomas, I'm so glad that we had an opportunity to do this. And of course we we want to welcome you to come back at another time and we'll pick more topics and we'll do it. If you're comfortable, we'll do it when we're live and then you'll be able to talk to the audience at large. And I think they will really enjoy that.
1: We, we didn't really, uh, get in i think to what we had planned to and uh, i do have a lot to say about that particular topic as you know so That's, i would i'd be happy to come back and get into right. a little deeper discussion about identity if you would like
0: i would love that i mean just what you said just i think it uh brightened all of our days uh to be more accepting of ourselves and more accepting of other people and not try to shove them into little cubby holes
1: uh, can't do was, that you that you, you can't, you can't you're, you're, you, well, you, you can, can, but you're but not getting get anywhere.
0: anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. So again, um, people should check you out on Facebook. And I think if you just read for one week, the things that uh, Thomas writes, you'll be hooked. Oh, uh, look,
1: somebody found me. Somebody, do you see well, that? Somebody that's found our, me. That's I, our I think producer. that's it. Yeah, yeah think,
0: that's it. I think uh, that's, that's produce, the link. put it there. So yeah, now you guys know how to get there and uh, we'll look forward to having Thomas and I will send you any questions that they that they send in uh, as well, Thomas. So if you have something you want to ask Thomas, go ahead, send it in and I'll send it over to him. But uh, we are out of time, unfortunately, but I thank you so much for taking the time to be with us.
1: Well, it was a, it was a pleasure to be here.
0: Wonderful. I hope that everybody has a wonderful Martin Luther King day. And we are back tomorrow with Ask Dr. Doreen. Dr. Doreen Grampy will be here tomorrow to answer your questions live on the show. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.